Now, if you're new with us, uh, we are ending a series that we've been in, what feels like maybe for some folks, we typically do shorter series, but this may feel like we've been doing this for about six months or more. Um, actually, you know, it's only been six weeks and we're coming to the end of that. And some people are so excited that we're coming to the end of this series, they decided to celebrate communion. It was a joke. It was, a, it was supposed to be funny, like, hey, like, we're done. Let's celebrate communion. We are going to celebrate communion uh, later in the service. Um, but what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking at the power of simple words and how God can use those words to influence our lives in the direction that God desires, that we can actually learn to become a little bit more like Jesus if we'll just learn to use these simple words effectively. So... Help me and everybody else know where we've been on this journey. So what was our first word? No. no. And our second word? Yes. yes. Our third word? Help. Help. Fourth? Thanks. Thanks. Good job. Fifth word? Yeah. Enough. And then last week, we looked at? Sorry. Sorry. I'm curious. Anybody have to give a level four apology last week besides me? All right, a few of us, level four apology is where we say, I'm sorry, I'm genuinely sorry, and this is what I'm sorry for specifically, and I'm going to do whatever is needed to fix what I have damaged. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out and fix what's been broken. I'm going to rebuild trust. I'm going to, whatever that is that, that needs to happen, I'm going to do that. So that's a level four apology, and that's what God wants for all of us. To do, And the really cool thing I think about this series is this series applies to everybody, whether you're a Christ follower or not. If you're not a Christ follower, you can still benefit greatly from applying these words to your life and see relationships restored, just for example, as you go for a level four apology. So what we're going to do today as we end this series is we are going to take the power of words, we're going to put them in the context of a few paragraphs, and we're going to see how these paragraphs can guide us to the life that God uh, wants for us. And I honestly believe that what we're going to learn today has the ability to help us see significant life change in our own lives if we'll just apply what we're going to talk about. And it centers on this. It centers on the reality that our words affect our thoughts and our thoughts affect the direction of our lives. So our words affect our thoughts and our thoughts affect the direction of our lives. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter four. If you want to flip over to that in your Bibles, you want to pull that up on your smartphone, you can do that as well. We're going to be focused in on Philippians four, verse eight, and the verse will come up on the screen as well. So let me tell you a little bit about where this verse comes in scripture and who it's written by. So it comes out of a, a book that's actually not a book, it's Philippians, it's actually a letter. And it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul who was writing to a church that he helped to get start, started in a city called Philippi. So Paul is writing this letter to them and giving them encouragement on how to grow in their relationship with God. And He's sitting in prison while he's writing this letter. And kind of the overall theme of this, this letter is about joy and finding joy in all circumstances. So it's just interesting. Here Paul's sitting in prison and he's telling these, these Christians in Philippi how to discover joy in all circumstances. And then he gets to chapter four and he starts um, wrapping up his thoughts and he says in verse eight, 
says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So I just want to ask this morning, just a moment of reflection. Does that verse represent your thought life? Do you think about things that are true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable? Like, like, does your mind constantly lean in the direction of things that are excellent, things that are worthy of praise? And if you would say yes, then I would say, way to go. Like you're on track of allowing your words and your thoughts to lead you in a good direction. But I'd be willing to bet that many of us would say that verse does not represent our thought life. It does not consistently represent the things that we fill our minds with. And I will tell you this morning that my thought life does not always reflect that verse. And if I were to sit and kind of write a letter to, uh, to you maybe or to a group of people based upon how my thought life works, it would sound a little different than what Paul was saying. It might sound a little bit like this. I, if I were, again, to write a letter based upon how I think often, it might sound like this. Fix your thoughts on what is true or mostly true or it doesn't have to be true. It can be an outright lie, and it doesn't really matter if that lie comes from you or comes from somebody else. Like, you just think about that. Um, think about, you know, that thing that that person said about you that wasn't true and it was kind of painful? Like, why don't you think about that a whole lot? Like, why don't you overanalyze that? Because your overanalysis will lead to good things. Like, like it always leads to good places when you just kind of drill into something very deeply. Uh, my mind sometimes tells me, why don't you think about your failures? Because you've had a number of those, and you can't quite get away from those things, those, those moments that you failed. And, and often, uh, when I start being absorbed by those thoughts, it leads me in the direction of feeling like, you know, like, how could God use me? I'm such a failure. Isn't that exciting to think about? Um, then there's moments where my mind tells me like, hey, think about that moment of success. Like, wow, that was a great moment. Like, pat yourself on the back for that. Way to go. And think about that just for a few minutes because that next failure is right around the corner and it will slap you back into reality that, no, no, you really are a failure. Um, my mind tells me all kinds of stuff that does not reflect that verse does not reflect what, what Paul was recommending for us to, to live by. And so if you were to write a letter to somebody else based upon how you actually think, what would your letter sound like? What would it sound like? It, again, do you fix your thoughts on truth, on what is right, what is honorable, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise? Or do you find your thoughts being filled with failure? Maybe self-centeredness. Uh, maybe moments where you feel like you're just not good enough. Now here's why I think God gave us this verse through Paul. Uh, I think God gave it to us because he knows that our 
Thoughts often dictate the direction of our lives. What we think about often dictates the direction that our lives are lived in. And if our thoughts are filled with things like truth and faith and purity and praise, we tend to become more like Jesus. If our thoughts are filled with lies and negativity and and selfishness, then we struggle to become the people that God wants us to be and we struggle to become the people that that we want to be. So listen to what Paul wrote in another letter uh, to a group of Christians in Rome. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, Paul says this. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to, what's that next word? Death. Death. It leads to death. Leads to relational death between us and other people. It can lead to relational death between us and God. It can lead to a life of worry, a life of fear, a life of panic. Um, can lead to all kinds of things in the context of, of really kind of dying in and of who we are and how we live with other people in our relationship with God. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to, what's those next words? Life and peace. So letting the Holy Spirit control our minds can lead to life. It can lead to peace. It can lead to truth. It can lead to courage. It can lead to confidence. And again, our thoughts often dictate the direction of our lives. So where are your thoughts leading you? Are they leading you to life? Are they leading you to death? Let me describe a couple of scenarios for you. See if you identify with any one of these scenarios. When you are coming out of dream world and you're waking up in the morning and you're kind of recognizing that you're not, you know, in that dream that maybe you still want to be in and you're waking up and realizing, oh, I have a day ahead of me and and maybe it's a work day. So maybe tomorrow is that for you. And you're waking up in the morning, like what fills your thoughts as you start your day? When you start your day, what, like what kind of generates the thought pattern that you're going to have all day long? Do you wake up in the morning and say, God, thank you for the rest that I got last night. Maybe I didn't get all the rest that I needed, but I thank you for the rest that you gave me. And I pray, God, that today that you will use this rest and the energy that I have and the energy that you're going to give me to spend my time loving you and loving other people with all I'm worth, with all I have. Greatest two commandments, love God and love people. So do you kind of wake up kind of feeling like that as you start your day, thinking about that as you start your day? Or do you wake up like this? One eye open. Is it morning? Are you kidding me? It's already today. I got to get out of bed. I got to get out of my stupid bed, go to my stupid job, work with stupid people. Where's the stupid coffee? Like, why isn't my coffee ready? I got to have coffee before I can even start thinking. So what fills your mind when you're waking up and starting your day? The reality is, uh, as we start our day, those thoughts that we have in the morning often bleed over into the rest of our day. That bleeds over into thought patterns that are created that affect our lives, affect weeks, months, and years of how we live. And it goes back to what we're starting our day with, what we're thinking about. Here's another couple of scenarios. 
when you have a, a few moments to kind of just think about you and who you are and how you're doing in life, what kind of thoughts run through your mind? Do you think thoughts like this, like, I am just a failure. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough leader. I'm not a good enough parent. I'm not a good enough spouse. I'm not a good enough student. I'm not a good enough whatever. I'm not good enough, and I'm so not good enough, like I don't even understand why God would love me. Does that represent some of the thoughts that you have about yourself? Or do you think thoughts like this? You know, in and of myself, I understand I'm, I'm nobody. But because of Christ, I'm somebody. I've got something to offer other people. And so, God, I'm going to offer other people what you have done for me. And through Christ, I can do all things. And some thoughts lead to life. Some thoughts lead to death. Where are your thoughts leading you? A number of months ago, I recognized that my thought patterns were not leading me in a great place at that time. And I recognized, you know, I I don't want this. I want to change this. I want to change the, the direction of my life based upon what I'm thinking about myself, about my relationship with God, about how I'm living. And so I began this journey of, of writing something I'm, I'm going to tell you about in a minute. And I want you to look back at Philippians 4, verse 8. So Philippians 4, verse 8, Paul says, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and right and honorable and pure and lovely and things that are worthy of praise. So what that tells me is that we have the ability... We have the ability to control our thoughts. And I don't know if that's like shocking to you or not. It sounds like the no-brainer, like, yeah, he's the master of the obvious. How long did it take him to figure that one out? But here's the reality for a lot of us. We feel like we're victims of our thought life. Like we live in these mental prisons of what we think. And we think, well, I just have to think this just because this is what happens in my life. and, And I'm just the victim of whatever's happened. But Paul says, that's not true. He says, fix your thoughts what is true and honorable and right and worthy of praise and excellence. So we have the power to control what we think. And as we do that, we have the power to control the direction of our lives. And I am not just talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about the power of God thinking. So listen to what Paul says in Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So how does God transform us into new people? That was, you can answer that one, yeah. By changing the way we think. He does that right here in our minds. Those thoughts that go back and forth that, that we fill our minds with all day long. That's where God begins. He says, I'm going to transform your thinking. And, and as I transform your thinking, I'm going to transform your life. And as I transform your life, it transforms the direction of your life, whether it leads to life or it leads to death. One of the primary ways I think that God does that, one of the primary tools that God uses to transform our thinking is his written word. It's the Bible. 
Now, some of us understand the truth of that and we're like, yes, that, that's my truth of abs- and that's my source of absolute truth. That's the thing that God uses to guide me and I, I look to it for that, that, that truth to guide my life. And there are many people in the world that look at the Bible and, and say, you know what, that's, it's, it's outdated. Um, man wrote it. Some people say, you know, even if God wrote it, man got involved. And uh, I've heard women say if, if women were involved in writing some of it, it would have been right. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. Another joke. It's okay. But again, this is God's primary tool for transforming our lives. Whatever you think about the Bible, I recommend you spend time in it. And whether you're skeptical of it, whether you believe it and you apply it to your life, I challenge you to spend time in God's written word and you will be amazed at the truth it contains and how it can guide your life to a better life. And I think it can benefit your life even if you don't believe in God. I I really think that reading God's word can benefit all of us. So here's how God has been using his written word to help me in my life and, and help me write this declaration of how I want to live. So after I got some encouragement from another pastor, um, I decided to sit down and write a declaration, one-page declaration of how I want to live my life. And as I began that process, I sat down and I did this super fun thing of writing down my negative thoughts. Didn't take real long because, you know, those things are banging around in my head way too much. And so I started writing things down, like, you know, there are many moments I just feel like I'm not good enough. I just don't feel like I'm a good enough leader. I just don't feel like I'm a good enough pastor. I don't feel like I'm a good enough father or a good enough husband. And there are moments that I just focus way too much on my failures. There are moments I focus way too much on what other people think about me and what I'm doing. So I wrote down my negative thoughts. And then I spent some time evaluating my relationship with God and my relationship with other people and my relationship with my wife, my kids, people that are important to me and how I'm doing as I'm trying to become a little bit more like Jesus. And so I wrote some thoughts down about that, how I was doing and how I want to do. And then I spent some time studying scripture to look for verses that would help me counterattack my negative thoughts and, and help provide me with practical guidance for how to live the life that I think that God wants me to live. And I spent several months actually working through this process, writing a a draft out and another draft out and and editing that draft and and doing more research. And it's been, been, again, a several-month process of me coming to a spot where I get to this place where I'm going to read to you this statement of how I want to live. And as you listen to this, you're going to notice some Bible verses uh, as I read this statement. Those Bible verses are the things that that I want to live by because those verses help me counterattack negative thoughts or help guide me to the life that I desire to live. And you need to understand as I'm reading through this, um, you're going to be seeing a lot of positive things, but you got to recognize that the positive stuff that's there is there to counterbalance something that's negative that I deal with in my life. So this is my statement for how I want to live every day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today I will seek to please God in everything I do. I will spend time talking and listening to him. I will read the Bible and apply it to my life. I will be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and will do what he asks me to do. 
Today I will love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I will honor him with my body, my hands, my eyes, and my mouth. I will be a humble, happy husband, father, friend, and leader. I will love and serve and die for my wife. I will reassure her of my love and protect her physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I will speak words of life to her and do everything I can to help her live as the priceless masterpiece God created her to be. I will love, lead, and serve my kids. I will give them a godly example to follow. I will train them in how to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I will speak words of life to them and do everything I can to help them live as the priceless masterpieces they are. Today I will serve others with humility, love, and truth. I will look for ways to help them take a next step towards or with God. I know that in and of myself, I am no one with nothing to offer. But because of Christ, I am someone with something to offer. So I will offer to others what Christ has done for me. I will be patient with difficult people. I will speak the truth in love and hear the truth in love. I will make allowance for other people's faults and forgive anyone who offends me. I will not be jealous, insecure, prideful, argumentative, or offended. I will not be defeated, discouraged, or depressed. Today I will, be, I will not be anxious about anything. Instead, I will pray about everything. I will tell God what I need or what I think I need. And I will thank him for what he's done and will do. I will trust in his wonderful plan for my life and I will see everything that happens today as something that God has approved to make me more like Jesus. And when I fail, I will confess that to God and to a trusted friend. I will learn from that failure and move forward knowing that God loves me, forgives me, and does not condemn me. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So that's my declaration based upon God's truth. And I got to tell you, this declaration based upon God's truth has been helping me, helping to change the way I think, change the way I live, and change the direction that I know my life is headed in, in a direction towards life. That's how I want to live every day. Now, uh, I've found that when I start my day focused on that truth and that declaration, I find that my life leans toward, my, my thoughts, my thinking, my life leans towards life. And when I don't spend my day focused on this at the beginning of the day or, or maybe coming back in the middle of the day, I find that there are moments my life leans towards things of death. And I truly believe that a one-page declaration like this can transform your thinking and transform your life. There are some of you that have been thinking wrongly for a very long time. You've been carrying all kinds of voices in your head. You've had all kinds of negative thoughts about you and, and who you are and how you live, and you've been dragging that around for way too long. And I want to remind you this morning that you have the power to control what you think about. You have the power to control whether you're going to allow your thoughts to lead you towards life or lead you towards death. And I actually think that a one-page declaration statement based upon God's word can change how you think and can change your life. Now, some of you might think, man, that sounds great, but I wouldn't even know where to begin. 
So for those of you who are interested in this, I've actually put some simple steps on the back of our spiritual growth challenge. So you can pick that up at our Connection Center or download it from our website. And on the back of that spiritual growth challenge, just a one-page document helps us dig a little deeper into what we're talking about on Sundays. You can find simple steps that will help you through this. And it's a super fun place to start. That super fun place is with your negative thoughts. You'll love that. Shouldn't take real long. If you have them, you probably think about them way too much. So just write those down. Start evaluating your life and start writing down some other things that you want to see change in your life. And uh, some of you might think, well, I don't know enough about the Bible to pull this off. Well, here's a really cool thing about technology today. You can do an internet search and find all kinds of amazing Bible verses that can benefit your life. So if you're struggling with fear, there's all kinds of Bible verses that can help you with that. Or, or depression or discouragement or doubt or anxiety or, or you name it. Just do an internet search. And then what I recommend is you find those verses, go to a Bible. And I'm a paper guy, so I, I like my paper Bible. Love to have this in my hand. But if you're like an internet person or, or love using your, your Bible app on your phone, then go and read that verse. Read those verses. Read the context before, the context after. Understand uh, what God is saying through that verse. And I know you will find some verses that you can embrace in your life, and those verses can help you live a life that leans in the direction of the, the life that God has for you. Now, some of you might be here today and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Christ follower yet. I, I don't know if I believe all that. I don't know if I believe all the Bible. I don't know if I believe God exists. You know, how can I benefit from this? Again, I truly believe that a declaration like this can help guide your life and help lead you towards life. And I actually think if you spend time uh, reading scripture, you will find all kinds of things in scripture that can benefit your life, even if you say, I don't know that I believe that yet. I think you can benefit greatly if you do this. Now, you're probably not gonna get it done in one setting. It might take several weeks. It might take several months. But if you just commit to doing a little bit of work on this every day, like maybe 15 minutes or, or 20 minutes every day, I think you'll get to a spot where you'll find that you have finished a declaration of how you want to live. And those thoughts can guide you to the life that you want to have and, and a life that God has for you. So what we're going to do as we wrap up today is we're actually going to celebrate communion together. And as we celebrate communion, our worship team is going to come out and they're going to guide us through a song called Last Word. And the really cool thing about this song is it's based upon something that Jesus said from the cross. And he said, it is finished. So this morning, like you can receive that truth for you and understand that, that you don't have to earn your way to a relationship with God that lasts forever. You can receive that based upon what Jesus has done. When Jesus hung on the cross and then died and said, it's finished. Your, your sin debt is paid for through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We can now have eternal life. So all that garbage maybe that you drag around in your brain about your failures, about who you are, about maybe you're not good enough, that you can set that aside. Like you can say, it's finished finished. You can allow God's truth to wash over your mind today and begin the process of transforming how you think and how you live. So let's go back to Philippians 4 verse 8. 
Paul says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Our thoughts often dictate the direction of our lives. Let me tell you how we celebrate communion here at Epic. We believe that communion should be open to anybody who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So whether you uh, have, have done that here or you've done that at another church, whether you call this your church home or not, if you're a Christ follower, we invite you to celebrate communion with us. And we have six communion tables set up. So there's two up front here, there's four in the back. In just a minute, I'm going to read a passage out of 1 Corinthians, and as I get to the end of that, I'm going to pray. After that, you're going to be free to get up from your seat and move to one of these stations, and as you come up to the station, you'll find on the table the communion elements. You'll find uh, little pieces of bread, you'll find little uh, pieces of cracker maybe, and you'll find little cups of juice. As you come up, I encourage you to to pick up a a little piece of of bread or cracker and then pick up a little, little cup of juice That bread, that cracker, represents Christ's body, which was broken for you. Jesus said, you're worth it. You're worth allowing uh, me to go through the horrible pain of crucifixion to die for your sins. And then the, the juice represents Christ's blood, which was poured out. And Jesus says, listen, my blood represents a new covenant between God and his people, and it's an agreement signed with my blood. And once it's signed, nobody can erase that. It's finished. So this morning, as you come up and you pick up the elements, you can sit back down or you can stand off to the side so other people can come behind you. And I encourage you to pause for a moment of prayer where maybe you say to God, God, thank you that you have the last word over my life. And I want to think your thoughts instead of my thoughts. Lord, help me to focus on what is true, what is right, what is honorable, what is worthy of praise, what is excellent. And allow maybe this song and this prayer to be the the beginning of that journey for you of learning to think differently because your thoughts will dictate the direction of your life. And while our worship team is singing... I encourage you to take communion when you're ready. At the end of uh, the worship uh, time, this worship song, then everybody should have taken uh, the communion elements. So listen to what 1 Corinthians 11 says. Verse 23, it says, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray together. Lord, we understand the power of thoughts And there are moments that we don't recognize how powerful our words are, our thoughts are, and the direction that they lead us. And yet this morning through Paul, you've reminded us that our thoughts can lead us in the direction of life. They can lead us in the direction of death. And you give us encouragement through scripture and you tell us we have the power 
to tap into you and allow you to guide our thoughts. And we can fix our thoughts on things that are true and right and honorable and worthy of praise and excellent. And uh, Lord, I just admit that's the desire I know for many of us, that, that we want to fix our thoughts on the right things that lead us towards life. So I know that there are some folks here today that have been carrying around just all kinds of garbage in their brain for a long time. And it has not been leading them to the place that they want to be. So this morning, Lord, I pray for those folks that that they would allow your truth to wash over their mind and their thinking and they would allow you to actually begin the process of transforming how they think and they would focus more on your truth instead of the lies that they've been believing. Lord, we need to all be transformed by you. And as we allow that to happen, we can live lives that bring great honor and glory to you and lives that we can only imagine to possibly live. So we're grateful for the words that Jesus, you've spoken over us, that while hanging on the cross, you declared, it is finished. And through a relationship with you, we can be finished with, with that sin that holds us back, with those thoughts that are negative and keeps us from experiencing the life that you've designed for us. So Lord, pray that we would be so incredibly grateful for that this morning and we would live in that truth. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen. You are now free to get up and come and take communion.